What is up, everybody? And welcome to the Joe Kilgallen Podcast, a.k.a. Kilgallen's Pub. How are we doing on this fine Wednesday morning? Are you having yourself a good one? It's hump day, baby. It's hump day. That means you got a hump. Humper's got a hump. Don't forget that. That's actually from an old Tim and Eric sketch. Humper's got a hump. Humper's got a pump. Don't forget either of that. I like to start off every podcast with a little bit of gratitude. So big thanks to all my Patreon subscribers. You guys are all wonderful people. Love you so much. And if you're not a member of the Patreon, get on board with that shit. It's patreon.com slash Joe Kilgallen. That's right. And if you get in before, I don't know. I don't know if you're going to get in in time. But I have a thing where everyone who's a Patreon subscriber right now is going to be mentioned in the special thanks of my upcoming special. So... I don't know. You might maybe if you got it one more week, maybe, maybe. All right. Well, th- and if not, then I'll give you something else if you missed the deadline because it's about wrapped up. This special, very pumped about that. Uh, give a little news. Um, it will be in done end of the week. I've been guaranteed promises. So uh, and then begins the process of finding the exact date in which to release because I want to go on a little press tour, I guess. I want to try to get on a few other podcasts, try to get on a bunch of shows, just get on a bunch of stuff that prom- to promote it. You know what I mean? To let people know, hey, it's coming out. I don't know 100% sure if it's going to be on YouTube, but most likely that is the avenue. Um, some things are going on in the entertainment industry right now. There's a writer's strike and all sorts of stuff like that. So we'll have to see. Although Sam Comedy, I believe that would not qualify for writing stuff. I mean, it gets I get a written by credit, but it's not like WGA. It's not, a, it's not scripted. Um, a lot of comedians script out their stuff. I do not. I mean, I write my jokes, but I don't write them down. That's a weird thing to explain to someone. It's weird. A lot. I do what Bill Burr and Louis C.K. does do. I can't talk. They basically have the thought. They got the joke in their head, and then they work it out on stage. So they'll get on stage at a bunch of places. Louis will work it out in New York, Bill in L.A., and then when they take it on the road or by the time you see it on Netflix or YouTube or wherever you watch your comedy specials, it's a well-crafted bit, but they don't write it down word for I mean, a lot of comedians work it out that way too, but they don't actually go to paper first. I know a lot of comedians, they work it out on paper before they work it out with their mouth. Those guys skip that step and go right to the mouth. And I do the same. I think it's just a style of human being. I'm just a talker, I guess. And I want to sound the same off stage as I, or on stage as I do off stage, where some comedians don't. Is there a better way? Yeah, I think actually Bill Bird and Lucy K's way is better. It is. Because some of the, I can tell sometimes when I see a comedian fumble a joke, I'm like, that's too written. I've, I've actually thought that when I've heard certain jokes, I'm like, it's too written. And I brought this up to other comedian friends. I'm like, what do you mean by that? I'm like, dude, you could just tell that they try to make every fucking word matter. And not every word does matter. For some comedians, yeah, there's that style where they're very wordsmithy. I would agree. Then the words matter extremely. But for some, it's like, hey... It's about like what was going on in the joke. You know, what's the emotion behind it? Were you, are you angry in this joke? If you're angry in this joke and you're flustering a couple words, then it doesn't matter. Um, you know, it's about, sometimes it's about the situation. That's why stand-up comedy is often referred to as material. Yeah, I bet you have great material on this subject, people will say. All right, enough inside jargon. Um, let's get into some fun shit. Uh, before I get into anything, though, uh, a legend of the poker world passed away recently, just a couple days ago. The legendary, probably like you could argue the greatest poker player of all time. It's hard to argue with poker, who's the greatest of all time, but he's definitely the godfather of poker. There's no mistaking that. He's definitely the most influential poker player of all time. And I'm talking about now the late, great Doyle Brunson. Doyle Brunson, aka Texas Dolly, 
he passed away just a few days ago. And um, and what a legend. What an absolute legend. Big guy, too, about 6'7". Good basketball player when he was uh, in high school. He might have even played in college. He wrote the book, The Bible, on poker called Super System, Doyle Brunson Super System. They even released a Super System 2 during the mid-2000s poker craze. Remember how insane poker got? It started in 2003 with the World Series of Poker in 2003 and the movie Rounders, which actually came out in 98 and 99, but that didn't really even get super popular until the World Series of Poker in 2003. So the game Texas Hold'em started to just sweep the nation. And in the in movie Rounders, they really explain that game really well. So if you've ever seen Rounders with Matt Damon and Ed Norton, cool flick, give it a look. Um, but I remember the guy who won that year in the 2003 World Series of Poker main event was a guy named Chris Moneymaker. His actual birth last name was Moneymaker. And he had this great American rags to riches story. Well, not really rags, he was an accountant, he made good money. But he uh, got in one of those $40 online tournaments. Well, that was another big thing, too. Online poker helped create just this massive uh, following for poker worldwide. And uh, he won a $40 like satellite thing, where for 40 bucks you get in, and if you keep winning and winning and winning, then your prize is what is called is the $10,000 seat. Because the main event of the World Series of Poker, it's Texas Hold'em poker style. It's $10,000 for a seat. It's crazy. It's a lot of money. And that's why the prize pool is massive. And it started off where when he won, he won a million bucks. That was like the top prize. Now I think it's something, although it's dipped, poker's lost popularity. But I remember at like the height, height of it, like the zenith. So that was 2003. I want to say by like 2008, 2009, the top prize was like 12 million. And I remember watching the first final table. The final table is the final nine people, nine people at a table. When they were going to start that final table, like everyone's in there, they're all sitting down, they're getting their chips ready for action. I can't remember who it was, but he said, hey, everybody, we're all millionaires because the ninth, even ninth place got a million bucks that year. And just the way he said it, I remember being like, "Ooh, that's got to be a good feeling. A couple of them already, already were millionaires, but there was a good six or seven where they were like, holy fuck, he's right. Oh, my God. I just sat down. I think something like, hey, now that we've all taken our seats, I want to congratulate on us, on us all. We are now millionaires. And I remember being like, fuck, that is a cool thing to say. Um, not even about the money, just that accomplishment, just that idea of knowing, like, I fought through this field of a thousand plus people, if not more. And now here I am, final table, uh, cha-ching. You know what I mean? Uh, but I, I wanted to talk about him as a person, Doyle Brunson. One of those dudes where no one has a bad story about him. And you'd even think, I mean, this is how fucked up our society is, because it made me mad that I saw even a comment or two with this assumption on the on the bonus episode of the, the latest Patreon bonus episode. I did talk about, I'm not going to give too much away because you know, that's unfair to the people who pay, but it was basically like um, a lot of us don't make assumptions. And you don't know what people are going on. And you know, that's essentially what it is. But what I wanted to say is that Doyle Brunson made a big guy from the South old guy. I think people, a lot of people assumed he would be a certain way. You know what I mean? Like a little too old school for today's society. But that wasn't the case. It wasn't. He was a guy, I'm not going to call him a fucking, you know, blue-haired progressive or anything like that. But I just don't like it when people just assume everyone from the South is some sort of mouth-breathing asshole who, if you're not exactly like them, they hate you. That's not, that's not the case, okay? Of course, that exists, but that also exists in the North and on the West Coast and the East Coast and everywhere in between. 
but Doyle Brunson was a dude because a lot of the stories were of him, you know, being nice to all sorts of different people from different walks of life and people commenting on, oh, that makes me love him even more. And I'm like, well, it's weird that you assumed he wouldn't be like that. So he's got this great book called Super System that everyone knows and loves. But the book I have of Doyle Brunson's that I absolutely love, and I think it's a great read, even if you're not into poker, because it's got a lot of life lessons. It's called Poker Wisdom of a Champion by Doyle Brunson. It used to be called According to Doyle. Poker Wisdom of a Champion is a cooler thing, where it's powerful winning advice and fascinating anecdotes from poker's greatest player. It's just filled with a lot of good like metaphors for things that you could apply in everyday life, you know, like uh, just, you know, and it's all gambling related too. But he talks about like, you know, a guy who never was a big gambler. Whenever he played, he was a very conservative player. But this one day he shows up with a beautiful woman at the game and now he's trying to show off for her and he's playing a reckless style. Just like, and then he takes from that advice where it's like, hey, you're going to do that around a bunch of poker players. We don't, it's, it's all about money on this table. That's what we play for. We're not going to go easy on you to make you look good in front of your woman. And also don't be this guy. Like, it's just kind of like, that's one example. And there's a million other really good ones. It's a book that I've given, I probably read it twice. Once when I originally got it back when I was 20 years old, 2004, 2005. Um, man, I played poker constantly back then. Freshman, sophomore year of college, like my first two years of college before dropping out. Um, I played a lot. Everyone did. I probably played four or five times a week. I'm not kidding you. And made money. I wasn't really working a regular job. I was making money doing that. Then some games just started to fade away. Um, there wasn't as much action uh, because I, I didn't want to get the only games I knew were really high stakes and I wasn't ready for that. But for like your standard like home game for college age, even early 20s kids, I was good. I'm, I'm not blowing smoke up any of your asses right now. I was legit a solid poker player. Where I remember running into a friend I didn't see in a while. And he goes, oh, dude, I heard you play poker over there with these guys. I'm like, oh, yeah, you know them? He's like, yeah, dude, they said you're good. I'm like, oh, that's cool. You know, I didn't know they would say that. Um, because I was never, here's my strategy was that there'd be some nights where I was the big one at the table. But I was never the big loser. Like, if I lost, my losses were minimal. But when I won, they weren't always massive. But they were. I was a consistent winner. If I played, you know, 10 times. I would profit eight times, and of the eight, four of them were big profits. Four of them were like, all right, solid. And then the two losses were tiny, small losses. That's just, I, I got good at minimizing, and then the best of maximizing. But more important than maximizing is just consistently showing up in the profit margin. Because that's that's what I was doing. I was probably making four 400 bucks a week, which is good if you're a college kid living at home with your parents, you know? Um, it's fun times. I miss it. And then we started playing poker again over the pandemic with a bunch of comedians. A bunch of comedians got a game going and that was fun for the shit talking. And what I wanted to do with the poker was uh, I needed, I, was, I remember thinking to myself, because I'd gone golfing. Um, it's depressing actually. It was, the last time I've been golfing was with my dad um, in late, mid-August of 2021. And I haven't gone golfing since. And um, part of that's by design. But eventually I'd like to get back. I'd like to get back out there because he loved golf. So he, I think he'd be like, well, go fucking golf, you dumbass. Um, so, uh, but I remember what I loved about golfing with my dad that day or anytime really was I'm like, oh, it was just four, and a, four hours without looking at my phone once. I go, I need more of that in my life. And so then poker became that. Um, and it was at first, but then like just the way things go, I remember check, I started checking my phone in between hands and stuff. And it's like, God, this thing is such a curse, these phones. So if you're a poker fan at all, 
Pokerisma champion, Doyle Brunsell. RIP, you goddamn legend. Um, some other fun stuff I wanted to talk about. Here's something I'm going to try on the podcast. I, and I got to give them credit. I came across this TikTok. It's a two-minute long TikTok, which I didn't realize, but I really liked it. It was a fun video. It's uh, Australian dudes, and they're basically talking about he's going to order drinks at a, at a nightclub. And they nailed it. And it reminded me of why, even when I was nightclub age, I fucking hated them. I thought they were so overrated. And if you're someone out there who likes to go clubbing, you must have to be single. There must be something fun about clubbing when you're single. Because when you're not single, going to a club, you're just like, why the fuck are we here? It's loud as shit, right? The drinks are insanely overpriced. This isn't a fun atmosphere. There's one person with BO who's ruining a lot of this side of the club right now, you know? And I think if you're single, going clubbing must be fun because it's like, oh, this is awesome. I'm decent looking. It's dark in here. So even though I'm only, eh, I'm a little bit, eh, right? And I'm a solid dancer, right? And I dress okay. So all I got to do is find myself in the dance floor and just kind of try to groove around someone, right? Kind of like just be a little bit there, but not too creepy. And I got a chance to get laid. That must be great. Like if you don't have a personality and can't carry on a conversation, a loud nightclub is the place for you. That's your best hope. Because if you're at a regular pub, regular bar where there's casual conversation going on and you can hear the person, they're going to discover that you're a fucking drip and you have nothing to say. And then your dick's got not getting any pleasure that night, right? They're going to be like, boo to that dick. Because they're like, why would I want to hook up with the man who can't even speak to me like a normal person? But in the nightclub, it's loud. It's got that all that shit going on. And as long as you're a decent enough dancer and you're somewhat good looking, you got you got a chance, right? You got a chance. All right, so here's the video. I'm going to play it. It's off of TikTok. It made me laugh, and it really summarized uh, why nightclubs are bullshit. Here we go. Oh, yeah? Yep. How many? Four? Four? Yeah, hey, mate. Can I just get four vodka Red Bulls? Yeah, sure, mate. No worries. Just uh, 150 for that one. Oh, yeah? No worries. Oh, wait. Did you did you say 150 Yeah, just 150 mate. Mate, that's $37 each. Yeah, just tap your card, mate, and then I'll get them sorted. They can't cost that much money. It's just what they cost, mate. If you want cheap drinks, go to Dan Murphy's. Yeah, I get that, but that's just way too much. You know what it's like. Why'd you come here if you don't like it? I could buy a bottle of vodka and a Red Bull for $37. Well, go and do that then, mate. I'm not keeping you here. All I'm saying is that you're making a miraculous amount of money on these drinks. Wouldn't you make a miraculous amount of money if you could? Would you not do that? Who wouldn't do that? Well, I don't think I'd mark up a product by a thousand percent to make more money. I'm willing to do what it takes to get ahead in life. Even if it's charging people $37.50 for a vodka Red Bull. Yes, I'm willing to charge 30... Clearly, I'm willing to do that. I've I've just done it. I'm just thinking, how many times do you go to buy something that you can't really avoid buying and the prices are just universally accepted to be horrendous. It's a good rort for us in the clubs. Do you know what they charge for these things at pubs? Well, we're not a pub, are we? Are we a pub? You're right. You're so much worse than a pub. We offer a worse experience, and to compensate, we charge twice the price for drinks. That's heinous. That's just heinous. And do you want to know why we do it? Why? Because we can. Because we can do it. So we do it. You're vile. And you can't go to another club for cheaper drinks because we all do it. You disgusting bastards. We're all in this together. We all work together. That club, that club, we all do it together. You have too much power. Uh, Hey, Bouncer, I personally don't like the look of this guy. Get rid of him. You can't do that. Why not? Huh? Why? It's illegal. Mate, I don't know if you know, but we can do whatever we want. I discriminated against someone by appearance the other day. You can't do that. I can do whatever I want.
All right, so that's I got to give credit to the video. It summarized shit perfectly. The guy's name is it's he's got 1.5 million followers on TikTok. The dude's killing it. So congrats to him. But his name is a fucking nightmare for me to pronounce. Is it Lachlan? I know Lachlan, but he's got all his one word. You know, the top part on TikTok, you could space out the words. Obviously, your handle, the at part has to be one word. Lachlan Fairbairn. Fairbairn. Um, I think that's a Scottish name, but he's definitely Australian from the accent, I got to imagine. All right. But it, it summarizes it perfectly. It really is. And it, I'm at the age. This is. I think this happens to you in your late 30s. You get to an age where you look at all the stupid shit that people do in their 20s and you want to scream from the tops of buildings. Why? Why are we fucking continuing to do this as a society? Right? Don't we know better? Right? When he says, you guys, this is far worse experience than a regular pub, which, you know, is a regular thing of a regular bar. And it kills me that people are still like, no, let's go to the hot nightclub. Let's, and look, obviously women dress way better at a fucking nightclub. And then that's what you're going to want to go for. Like, fine. But it's also weird. Like you're going to spend 37, 50 on a Red Bull. That's that, like, it sounds like a joke, five drinks for that much money, but it's not. That's regularly what it is. And most nightclubs I've been to in the major cities in America. And it's like, wh what the fuck are we doing? Why can't we all just not do that? You could you could dress up and dance at other bars and get a better experience. Here's the thing, men. Don't go to them anymore. Okay? Because I know I'm really speaking to men here, okay? Because I feel like the guys are the stupid ones on this. If you stop going to them, you think the women's are women, the women's the fuck, you think the women are still gonna get all crazy dressed up to show up with eight of their friends if no guys are gonna be there? No, that's not the case. And I know it's it's a bullshit thing. When women truly want to just go dancing, because I know a lot of people are like, no, we just want to go dancing. We just like dancing. Okay, you go to a gay bar and you have a better time. When women are at a gay bar, they just want to go dancing. When you go to a fucking nightclub, okay? When you go to like Paris nightclub or Tao in downtown Chicago, you are going to, yeah, you want to dance, you want to drink, but you also want to fuck. All right, let's be honest. You want to dance. And yeah, there's always a couple of girls who are married or have boyfriends and stuff that are dragged along with the group because they don't want to be left behind because it's like, I'm in a serious relationship now, but I miss my seven single friends. So you tag along and yeah, you're there just to dance. That's what they do. Right. And like, just stop going. And women, you could dance anywhere. You could dance if you want to. Okay. You could leave your friends behind. And if your friends don't want to dance, then maybe they're not any friends of yours. Have you, has that ever crossed your fucking minds? It's good. Someone should write that down. Everything I just said was awesome. Someone's got to script that gotta be scripted for some some words wise words there all right so that, that's a public service announcement and shout out to that dude lachlan uh fairbarn or the fuck his name is yeah lachlan fairbarn uh good tiktok there all right um other stuff on the agenda i want to show this awesome can of budweiser with the cubs logo on it so if you're watching on youtube you get to see it it's a 25 ounce can of uh regular old american budweiser and i got it by chance, I was, uh, I had a failed effort to get a haircut. I went to go to a haircut place and they were like, no. And I'm like, well, this is unfortunate. So then I had to walk back home. It's a haircut place I really started going to because it was walking distance. I'm a big believer in walking to more things. People don't walk enough and the traffic is ridiculous everywhere. And people don't to drive anymore because they're on their phones and they're all assholes. So I, as I'm walking back, I see the liquor store and I'm like, it's a nice day. I'm going to pop in the liquor store, see what I'm going to get myself. And I bought myself uh, two of these cans, these monster cans of Budweiser. 
Did I buy them because they have the logo of my favorite baseball team? Yes. Yes, I did. I bought them specifically for that reason. And it was good because it was a warm day out. There is This is what American domestic beer was invented for. It's summer days. And I know it was invented by Germans, but they brought it to America to help our summer days. Because I'm sorry. I know there's a lot of people out there. You like your IPAs. You like your craft beers. Look, I'm a big Guinness man in fall and winter, even, even spring. But come summer, come the warm weather, we're talking 75 and up. You got to get yourself an American domestic. I'm talking Miller Lite. I'm talking Budweiser. I am talking Coors. Um, and if you're even going to go like not American, you're going Mexican. You're going uh, Tecate. You're going Seoul. You're going Corona which I, I hope their sales have recovered. It still cracks me up that Corona beer's sales plummeted because of the coronavirus. Like, how fucking stupid are you? Did you honestly think, were there people out there who regularly bought Corona were like, I can't now because I don't want to get the coronavirus through my Corona beer? And how pissed was the Corona company? Were they not like these motherfuckers? You could have just named it. And then eventually they started calling it COVID. That's why I went, remember, it was originally called the coronavirus. And then they just switch it to COVID-19 because Corona beer sales were plummeting because people were such dipshits out there that they really thought drinking a Corona would give them the coronavirus. Wow. Unfucking believable. Like, did they honestly think that? How did, did no one pull them aside and say, no, it's, I don't know how Corona didn't run ads going. It's not us. Just straight, straight up ads. Don't even be clever with the ad. Just have it be a regular person being like, they're not, it's not the causation. They would never do that. You can't get a fucking virus from drinking a beer. What do you think? We have people just in our factories hawking loogies and all of our Coronas, shipping them out to people? It's ridiculous. Well, make sure you squirt some lime into your fucking diseased full glass bottle we just sent out. No, it's called the coronavirus. For what reason? We don't even know. That's the fucking nerds that live in your neighborhood. But we do not know. We're still a good beer. On a July day, we kick ass. Sitting on a beach with a Corona, fantastic. Also, if you have a bartender you don't like, you could order a Corona and you go, yeah, I want the fucking line. Yeah, I do. Yeah, I know it's busy as hell in here and you have to cut up more lines. I don't give a fuck. You were a dick to me on my last round. Now, I know I ordered something simple last time, but you were still dickish about it. Yeah, maybe don't be dickish when I order simple things. That ever occur to you? Now I'm ordering Corona with extra. I want lime in there and I want a lime on the side. Yeah, yeah. I'll, no, I'll wait. And we'll all wait. Go back and cut it up. Poor Corona. Poor Corona. Losing all that money. Because people just don't understand things. Sad to me. But it, those are the beers you want to be drinking. Also, I like a cider. I do like a cider. I'm not against White Claws either. We've all matured. We've all matured. Okay? There was a stretch of time. Poor Mike's Hard Lemonade. Right? This guy, Mike, comes out going, you know what I love in the summer? Lemonade. But you know what I love more than lemonade? A strong buzz. I'm going to combine the two. That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to create a hard lemonade. It's going to be like a malt beverage not like a lemonade vodka. I'm going to do a malt beverage lemonade that's going to have more alcohol than beer. That way people don't think it's like weak, you know? It is true. Mike's Hard Lemonade has more alcohol by volume than Budweiser, Miller Lite, Coors, Corona, all that stuff. And people started drinking it and they got away with it for about six weeks before. I mean, this was the late 90s, early 2000s. Immediately, everyone started questioning your sexuality. They were like, oh, you like Mark's Hard Lemonade? Cool. Do you want to fuck my dad? That's what people would say to you. You're like, it's just, it's, it's so insane. Dude, I remember being at a barbecue in like high school or maybe college-ish. I can't remember the time exactly, but 
I had, I, if I were drinking, I thought to myself, man, if I were drinking a regular lemonade, no one says shit. You know what I mean? But I'm drinking lemonade that has alcohol infused in it by a man named Mike, a hero named Mike. And now all of a sudden, it means I want to lick every man's butthole that's surrounding, surrounding me. That's, that's what they're trying to tell me. And I thought, man, what a horrible time. That was a shit time. Bunch of fucking homophobes. You bastards. They were all secretly probably. They just were confused about their own sexuality. That's why it's weird when you're all like, when people say, the people who say the most hateful things towards gay people are closetly gay and stuff. And then I'm like, well, maybe we should talk to them instead of just making them feel like even bigger pieces of shit. That's the case. Then we got to tell them it's okay. Be free. Be free. But now what's nice is that as a culture, as a society, we're no longer just saying something's gay because we know there's nothing wrong with being gay. Being gay is fine. It's just, you know, the same values being straight, right? There's no, we're all equals. We all, you know, love is love, damn it, right? That was the campaign, love is love. And I agree with that. I'm a supporter. So that's nice because now we can enjoy a white claw on a hot summer day. You might still have a couple of your knuckle dragon friends giving you shit, but for the most part, there's no fear. No fear at all. I was driving in the city of Chicago down um, Addison Street and I saw a guy Big case of Truly, which is like a white claw competitor in his under his arm. It wasn't even bagged, just right there in there open. No fear, right? I remember thinking to myself, 15 years ago, that guy would have had that thing covered up. He would have had a jacket over it, a shirt over it. He would never have admitted that he likes uh, a seltzer, a hard seltzer. That's what it is, hard seltzer. Even saying it's a little bit, a little dainty. But still, I'm, it's a good drink. White Claw Black Cherry on a hot day, awesome. Awesome. At a barbecue, so good. Yeah, those are the drinks you want to mix it up with in the summer. Never forget that. And don't let people shame you for the drinks you enjoy, all right? That's that's the message out here. As to quote the great Dave Grohl, you may know him. Drummer from Nirvana, lead singer of Foo Fighters, Tenacious D, a lot of other cool stuff. Been on SNL a hundred times. No more guilty pleasure, just pleasure. What he meant by that was don't feel guilty for loving the things you love. Because there are people out there who always say, oh, that's my guilty pleasure. And it's their way of trying to be like, I know people think it's bad, but I like it. So I'm acknowledging it's bad too. So is it okay if I like it? No, it's not. If you like it, it's not bad. Who cares what critics think? Who cares what your friends think? If you like it, you like it. Enjoy it. Because of that, this weekend, I'm going to crack open a Mike's Harlem Lemonade. Cheers to you and yours, everyone. Thanks for listening to the Joe Kilgallen Podcast, a.k.a. Kilgallen's Pub.